Faith.com podcast. Here is your host, TJ Buffenbarger. Hello, world. This edition of the TJSlideways.com podcast is going to focus on the 71st annual Pay Less Little 500 coming up at Anderson Speedway this Saturday. And if you followed TJSlideways.com, the website, for any amount of time, you know how passionate we are about the Little 500 being one of the biggest sprint car races we cover every year. Thankfully, a large number of our readers seem to share the same passion we do about that 500 laps at Anderson Speedway, and we're really looking forward to covering it this weekend. Looking ahead to the Little 500, Cody Swanson, the defending champion, will go really in-depth with us and give us a nice little preview interview leading into Saturday's race at Anderson. And then also Jared Owen from the Anderson Speedway's VP of Operations there. He's going to come on to discuss some of the things coming up that are new and exciting around the Little 500. Uh, but we're going to start this preview with Aaron Bearden from the Morning Warm-Up and MotorsportsBeat.com. Aaron has sat next to me in the press box over the past several years and uh, many about four or five years ago. And now he is on the NASCAR beat. He still covers some IndyCar races as well, but he always makes the Anderson. It's kind of an amazing story. We talk about what it takes to cover both of those races in the same day. And then we discuss our passion for that race. So Cody Swanson, Jared Owen and Aaron Bearden coming up, but don't forget before we get into it to please support our sponsors, Maxim Chassis and all-star performers without them. We could not do this. It wouldn't be possible. So without further ado, here's Aaron Bearden. It's a little 500 time. And the gentleman that sits next to me every year covering the little, little 500 is someone that has Moved his way up the uh, motorsports media ranks. He runs the motorsports beat and also a great morning newsletter. I'm telling you, if you're not subscribing to the morning warm up, you need to do so. Aaron Bearden joining us on the line. Aaron, it's good to talk to you before one of our favorite races of the year. Yeah, man, it's kind of crazy looking back at it. I mean, I first started covering the little 500 is more or less a nobody with a little tiny blog. Uh, really met me, gave me a lot of good advice, and we've been doing this for about five years now. And now here I am, a little bit less for nobody with a slightly bigger blog. <laughs> I'm coming back to it again this year. So it's kind of good to talk with you and have this race coming up again, man. How have you been? I've been doing pretty well, actually. I'm really getting pumped up for this week, right? Burn it at both ends a little bit after a big racing weekend up here and now turn around and doing, uh, getting ready for Anderson now. Uh, you know, you're a person that covers, you're pretty much on the NASCAR beat, but you come home to cover Indy. And I mean, no one would blame you if you wanted to get a good night's sleep before the biggest race in the world. Instead, I want to tell people what your, what your Anderson night in the next morning looks like, because it just fascinates me what you do and the length you go to cover the race. <laughs> so, Thankfully, Saturday doesn't have any major activity at the Brickyard. You know, they've got like the little trade show that goes on and everything. But because of that, I come into Saturday and I try to sleep in because by that point you're already exhausted because there's been races like, sadly, for the last time this year, the Hoosier 100. And then you've got Carb Day and you've got the racing over at Lucas Oil Raceway with the Road to Indy and usually USAC Silver Crown. And so you come into the weekend, you're already pretty tired, but it's the biggest race in Indiana, and I'm a Hoosier, so I just get so excited for all this racing. And then you get to Anderson, we have the Little 500, which, and I'm sure we'll talk about more in a minute, 
I know the Indy 500 is the greatest spectacle in racing, but the little 500 might be the biggest and the wildest. So it's a race I always look forward to covering. And so you get through that race and you get all your interviews, you get everything situated for your post-race stories. And then once I have all that, it's usually about 11 or 11.30 and I get in my vehicle and I take off for the brickyard. Um, usually get there around 12, 12.30. You know, it's about an hour, hour and a half to Indy from Anderson Speedway. And I go to the media lot, which is just across the street from the racetrack. I post up. I try to write as much as I can until I get too tired to keep going, I guess. And then I just take a power nap. I push the seat back, lock the car doors, take about a two, two and a half hour nap. And then I wake up, usually about 4, 4.30 in the morning, and I walk into the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and get ready to cover the greatest day in motorsports. <laughs> and a lot of that is just so you can get in the place because of the traffic. If you're not there early, you're not going to get in there. So that's a good thing, you know, especially that media lot. It gets a bit, gets a bit crazy to get in there. So uh, your dedication is appreciated, definitely. I just wanted to share that because every year I'm amazed you're sleeping. You and a few other people sleep in their cars ready to go to the 500. So let's talk about the little 500. Over the past five years, it just seems like this event is back on the grow again. I mean, it seems like the quality and caliber of equipment we've seen over the past year seems to be on the upswing a bit. Yes, I agree. seems like the entry lists are going up every year, and you always have some strong people coming to run it. I think of names, like obviously you know guys like Cody Swanson that have won in the past, but you got Ken Schrader coming back again this year. We've had Tony Stewart run it a couple years ago. You know, there's just been a good mix of your veteran presences and then some newcomers and some bigger names coming to try it. And I do think that's elevated the event a little bit. Uh, I think having a streaming option every year for the last few years has also helped. Just little things like that where you're getting more access to it and seeing names people know about talking about it really kind of push that race back into the mainstream a little bit more and i still don't think it's as big as it should be because i keep telling people there's no crazier race star to race to watch anywhere i've found in motorsports but it's on the grow up and it's just really fun to watch it kind of build each year yeah to me when it comes to 500 time everyone talks about the start and the start is crazy but the craziest part to me is the actual running in the slower traffic. So about you know, like 25, 26 laps into it, man, they are in traffic from then for the rest of the race. And it's just insane to see them, uh, the fast cars, you know, early on, probably 10 or 12 and start to wean down, weed their way through the slower traffic. Yeah. You know, it's funny as a NASCAR fan, I hear people talk about all the time that tracks like Bristol. Because when NASCAR goes to Bristol, you spend a pretty good amount of time in traffic. And every, I don't know, two or three laps, if you're a leader, you're going to be passing somebody and having to make moves. But I think the little 500s on a level even above that. I mean, it's just so tight. And especially for the first 100 to 150 laps where there are 30 to 33 entries still rolling around that place. It's just so hard to get around. And having the ability to kind of move around and make your way through traffic is crucial. And to me, over the past few years, we've, you know, you know, when I first started going to the little 500 back in the early 2000s, you might end up with one, maybe two cars on the lead lap. But the past couple of years, it's come down to where in the later stages, we have multiple cars on the lead lap. And this thing is still in doubt within the last 75 laps. Yeah. And it, it's always interesting to me how it seems like each leader is usually on some kind of varying strategy. 
it seems like every year since I've started covering it, which has been about 2014, 2015, there have been guys on different strategies, some guys on fresher rubber than others, and that always seems to come into this interesting battle in the last 100 laps where it almost always seems like you have somebody leading in a worse situation, and then you have one or two guys trying to chase him from a lap or so down. And it just always plays out in this really dramatic fashion, and I feel like every year since I've started covering it, you've gone into the last 50 laps and still not known who was going to win the race. And then you mentioned the pit strategy can burn you too, because now the quality of the field has gotten to the point where we may not have as many cautions after that first, because you have to make a a pit stop before halfway and one after halfway. And if Mm -hmm. when it comes down to that second stop, if you're banking on a caution late, you might not necessarily get it. (laughs) And it can can burn you. (laughs) Yeah. It's always risky. I feel like, the teams that are there at the end, a lot of the times are the teams with the best pit strategies. And it's, I guess, easy to say that out loud, but when you make a mistake at that place as quick as they're going and with the way those pit stops play out and having to get a push to get back on track, you know, it can be four or five laps difference on track, depending on how you time your pit stops. And I think in particular in recent years, I've seen at least one or two teams burnt by that big time every year. And so it seems like the teams that are there, at the end of the race every year within a lap or two of the end of the ones who play it smart, understand the natural way that race plays out and know the time to bring their drivers to pit road. And I have a theory about all motorsports that mistakes make often makes for uh, entertaining racing. And that's magnified at Anderson because we have 33 teams that make pit stops once a year. And there's really not a whole lot of rules about it. Uh, you know, other than you have to have someone in a fire suit that's doing the fueling. Otherwise, have at it. You have fuel rigs, dump cans, air jacks, you know, new wheel knockers, whatever's going to get the job done. And to me, you know, I always say that, well, at the local level, sometimes what makes racing entertaining is people making mistakes in traffic or maybe it's it's the scary lap car holding up the leader or whatever. But at Anderson, you know, the pit stops, part of the entertainment is because people just don't do it that much. Yeah, I mean, the pit road scene is pretty chaotic at times. It almost feels like bedlam when you're watching it. And it's a beautiful mess, I guess, for lack of a better term. Yeah, it's a but great it's term. Just, the, the feeling you get, especially when there are green flag stops and you see somebody come in, they kind of bumble their way through a pit stop, and then you see them getting a push out on the apron, and then here comes the field roaring by them on the outside while a push truck's pushing them. It's so... I don't even know how to describe that feeling. Man, Little 500 is really the only race I know of that gives you that visual. It's such a strange, old-school, delightful vibe getting at that race, and that's part of what makes it feel so special. And it makes it stand out to me even in a weekend where you've got races like the Indy 500 and the Grand Prix of Monaco just because there's no other race like it. Yeah, it's a once-a-year thing. I think that's what makes it so cool is we only do it once a year. If we were doing this thing three or four times a year, I think it would not be nearly as – is entertaining because people would have a more of a grip on it. Uh, but being once a year, and believe me, these teams plan all year for this, but there's not the opportunity to over-engineer it because there's only one of them. Yeah, you can't over-prepare for it. Teams spend a lot of time working towards it. Like I know a couple guys in the field this year who were talking to me about working on their cars and getting their programs together really at this time last year. So it's something these guys do work hard to prepare for. But they're just – because it's only once a year and you don't have a lot of time to kind of, I guess, build towards it or prepare for it, there are just so many variables every year that get thrown at seemingly every driver in the field 
where it seems like every driver and every team get a challenge, usually that they didn't expect somewhere in the span of the 500 laps. <laughs> As we've seen a few times, drivers get hit by more than one challenge they didn't expect, and sometimes they end up mired a lot further back than they expected at races in. Now, looking at the race this year, to me, the storyline is pretty much who's going to be able to knock off Cody Swanson. Because at this point, I think it's the odd, odds on favorite to win the whole thing, kind of looking at the field. I mean, there's some really good drivers in there, but Swanson's on just such a roll. He, he's kind of rolling in here kind of like Eric Gordon did in the past and Dave Steele and other people there, Bob Fry or Dominant, Ad Anderson. And I think uh, Swanson soon is going to make put his name amongst those top drivers as far as wins at the pace he's going. Yeah, I really feel like it's been that way just about everywhere Cody Swanson goes lately, man. Yeah, I keep true. track of the USAC. Yeah, I keep track of the USAC Silver Crown Series, and not only is he now the winningest driver, but it seems like if he doesn't beat himself, he's the guy you pick to win every time they go out there. And in my lifetime as a fan watching all this stuff, it's not something I've seen much. I know you had Eric Gordon in the early 2000s, especially at Anderson. He won, what, five straight, I think. Yeah, it's just You've had Dave Steele. So there, there have been big names, but right now there's only one that comes to mind when it comes to a race like this, and it's got to be Cody. I think there are a lot of guys who could beat him. Look at, like, I don't know, maybe a Justin Grant, who's a bit of a wild card, or a Bobby Santos, who's an experienced driver, Chris Windham, who's running that a day after doing the Freedom 100s. I mean, there's – a group of guys who can run with Cody and beat him, but I still feel like based on what he's shown so far this year, especially on asphalt tracks, Cody Swanson's the favorite unless that team beats himself. The one name I have that might be the top contender to beat him is not one that everyone's going to say because he hasn't raced much this year, but he has about as many laps as anybody at Anderson, and depending what the farming schedule looks like, my <laughs> underdog pick, Caleb Armstrong. And a lot of people will probably think I'm a little bit crazy for that, but he's been fast every year there, but has zero luck. He's had all kinds of crazy things happen in front of him. And, you know, he's taken kind of a step back this year, but he has as many laps because of the Kenya midgets and everything else that used to run at Anderson. He's got as many laps. He can go in there and be fast with the minimal practice. I think he is somebody that maybe being a step away is going to help him this year a bit and, I don't know, but I just have a feeling that he might be the contender we need to be watching. Yeah, if this were a 200 or 250-lap race, Caleb Armstrong would be right there among the top three every year for the last three or four years. That team is just – he's been able to find speed there every time he's run there pretty much for the last few years. I mean, he's won the pole twice in the last three years. Really strong contender, and we just – we haven't been able to really see what he can do at the end of this thing because for one reason or another, that team hasn't been there at the end of the race each of the last few years. So I definitely agree with you just based on the speed he's shown that if he can get to the end, he's definitely a top contender and maybe the top guy to take out Cody Swanson and Nolan racing. I just think we have to answer the question what that team has done wrong. If anything, that they can correct to get him there at the end when it counts. Yeah, and then there's Jacob Wilson. As long as he stays hydrated, he'll probably be near the front, too. So as long as he uh, is hydrated enough during the week, we'll just leave it at that. We, uh, he'll he'll probably be okay. They have they have an awesome pit stop program, which really helps. So that's another one to look at. But uh, I kind of looking through the field, and I know there's a few names. Right now there are 36 entries on the entry list. Don't get too worried about that because I know at least three or four teams that aren't on the entry list that are going to Anderson. So uh, we should even see some bumping as well. 
yeah. If you think the Indy 500 bump day is dramatic, come out to the Little 500 bump day because it's it's always interesting. You get at least a few guys that's kind of in range of getting knocked out that you might not expect. And I know it's not like a Fernando Alonso situation. You're not going to see McLaren roll up to Anderson, Indiana, but it's definitely dramatic and really entertaining to watch. And you feel for the teams that don't make it, but it's part of what makes this event so special and kind of having that once a year vibe like we talked about earlier. Well, Aaron, with uh, all that you're doing, where can people subscribe to the morning warm up and where can they find the motorsports beat? <laughs> so I'm at motorsportsbeat.com. Uh, if you go there, I post my newsletter every day. It's called the morning Warm Up. comes out at 6 a.m. in your email. You sign up for it or 8 a.m. on the website, Eastern each day. So feel free to go to motorsportsbeat.com. Check it out. If you like it and like the way it looks, there is a link at the bottom of every newsletter posted on there to sign up. Uh, you can also support us. We're on Patreon, patreon.com slash motorsportsbeat. It's just me right now, but I'm looking to build this into a fully-fledged outlet, and we're getting a lot of support and building towards that. So something to keep an eye out for and something I think is going to continue to grow, and I'm really excited for it because of what it could mean for the motorsports world if I'm able to make it into the vision I have for it. And to be honest, it's the way I start my morning every day with a cup of coffee is with Aaron's newsletter. So if that tells you anything, <laughs> is definitely worth waiting for. Well, you're a little closer than me, so if you get there before me, make sure to save me a spot on the ledge there so we can go ahead and we'll, uh, we'll be able to cover another little 500 side-by-side side before you take off to go to the big speedway. I really appreciate you taking time out of your insanely busy schedule to join us for this little 500 podcast. Yeah, I'm really excited. I was pumped when you had me on. It's always cool this time of year that we get to catch up. I know with you being covering more of this local stuff or the short track things and kind of different tours and I get many chances to come out and see, I really appreciate the coverage you provide. I always keep in track of PJ Slideways and seeing what you're up to. So thank you for all you do and thank you for both the advice and expertise you've given me along the years and for this opportunity to come on and talk about one of my favorite races. I appreciate it. Uh, that's our problem, Aaron. Have a great day. Hey, you too. Thank you for Aaron uh, Bearden for taking time out of his busy schedule to join us. Next up on the Little 500 Preview edition of the TJSlideways.com podcast, Jared Owen, Vice President of Operations at Anderson Speedway, and I sat down to discuss some of the upcoming events surrounding the Little 500 and some of the new things uh, coming up for the event this year. While Jared's relatively new to Anderson Speedway, when you're talking about an event that's gone on this long, he's quickly developed a real passion for the race that we all share. So let's hear what Jared Owen has to say about the upcoming Payless Little 500. With the 71st Payless Little 500 presented by UAW coming up May 25th at the Anderson Speedway, we have the pleasure of talking to Jared Owen, the Vice President of Operations at the Anderson Speedway, joining us on the guest line. Jared, thank you for making time for us in what is probably one of your busiest, if not the busiest time of year for you. It always is, but it's great. Um, we like to try to do as much as we can with the media, definitely trying to continue to promote this great race that we have. So it's great to talk with you. When do things really start ramping up leading into the little 500 over there at Anderson? I mean, you guys start your season pretty early, but when do things really go into high gear for little 500? I mean, I, I always joke around with people. I, um, I love the event and I feel like, um, I take a week off here and then 
about the middle of June, we start working for the next year. But, I mean, it's a full year-round project, but it really kicks into high gear, I mean, around the 1st of February. Um, but, I mean, it's a it's a full-time job for our staff. We just have a staff of – full-time staff of – I think I lost you there. Are you there? Hello? Oh, are you there? Yep. Oh, sorry, I, I lost you there for a second, so – Sorry about okay. that. We were saying. Okay. Yeah. So with the small staff we have, it's kind of a work in progress, but we really kick it in the high gear. I'd say the first of February. And the thing that's nice is, I mean, the event we've it's always changing. We're always adding new to it, but really, in the the crux of it, it's pretty much the same schedule. We just make kind of minor tweaks, just trying to make it better each and every year. So it, we kind of have the shell the same. It's just making a couple adjustments. And it's not just a racetrack event for the city of Anderson. When I look at the community schedule every year, it's something the whole city seems to really get behind. And there's like a month of activity all around town that that kind of uh, surrounds this event. Uh, yeah, it is. And uh, the really cool part is Payless Supermarkets have been our title sponsor now. This is going on their 32nd year, which in racing to have a title sponsor like that is almost unheard of. And I mean, we always talk about like the Long Beach, Long Beach Grand Prix had their sponsorship for a long time, which unfortunately ended, but we're one of the, I think the next longest ones of 32 years. And one of the things that Payless did was being kind of the hometown supermarket is they wanted, they kind of created this whole festival for nonprofits in the city. So um, it's still going strong today, even though Payless has been sold to Kroger. Um, but we still have 30 nonprofit events in the area, and it's almost raised close to $3 million in the, for, in the 30 years. So it's a, a great thing. I mean, the race is kind of is not just a race. It's a whole a whole event for the entire month. When will you start seeing people roll, roll into the facility for race week? So uh, we will see people starting the Saturday before. And um, if I would let them park or start camping before that, they would. But um, I tried to get the, the facility mode one last time. And um, last year, I told them they could park after 9 o'clock in the morning. We started mowing at 8. And I think we had 20 campers waiting for us to finish mowing the, the very front area closest to the road. So it's kind of a, we like to call it um, a family reunion. I mean, it's the same people park in the same spot with their friends that they only see maybe once a year or twice a year. And it, it's a really kind of a cool deal to go out there. So yep, a week before or so, before the race, we hit, we start having campers roll into the facilities. Yeah, I know you say that it's a family reunion. There's a lot of people that do it year after year, but it seems like to me as an observer over the past several years, it almost seems like the event, not that it was ever down, it's always had a great turnout and stuff, but it's almost had a little bit of a resurgence the past couple of years. Like we've seen a lot of people taking in their first little 500s. Yeah, we are. And I can, I mean, I don't know if a lot of it has to do, I mean, a lot of it, I mean, there's no doubt a lot of it had to do when Tony Stewart came up, which was the 69th running. So what would be three years ago, definitely got a lot of people hooked. And a lot of people said, oh, no one will ever come. I mean, that will be the biggest crowd you ever had. And last year, the crowd was not far behind it whatsoever. And um, I mean, our ticket sales today are right on track with what they were last year and not far from what they were three years ago. And um, I think the way we're kind of seeing our ticket sales the past couple of days leading up and to here the final two weeks that I think the crowd will just be even bigger and then um, it's just continuing to grow. So there is kind of a resurgence and it's great for us. And it's great to see for, I mean, pavement sprint car racing as a whole is something that is trying to come back. We're starting to see them run other tracks. So it's really exciting to see the, the impact and the growth of this event. 
And the resurgence isn't just with the event and the cars and the division, but we're seeing a bit of a resurgence at Anderson Speedway, as well as you guys have taken on some major improvement projects that you're hoping to have uh, wrapping up around Little 500 Week, I hear. Uh, absolutely, yeah. We 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 unfortunately every year with the weather and different things, our goals always have things done by Little 500. So we uh, we always do some paving and different things like that. But we've taken on some big some big projects this year. So um, we've taken over our own concession stands. Uh, wasn't something we were planning on, but our concessionaire decided to step away. That's been there for 65 years. So we've done that. So we've kind of reinvigorated the menu, changed things, offered more items. So we kind of have the, the, the favorites that we've always had in Anderson Speedway, like the breaded tenderloin and things like that. But um, we've also added some different things. So fans will be able to try this year at the race. So um, we've also, we're going to be installing new LED lights and those will go in um, right before the race. So we're excited to have that all the way around the track and in the facility, which is not just hopefully we'll make everything mean much brighter, but the, the savings of money is a is a no-brainer for us as a track. And then the third thing that we're working on is we have new aluminum seats in Turn Three, which has been the we have we have the old wooden bleachers, which has that nostalgia, but um, we're really looking to put aluminum seats in just for. The three is what we've done for this year, so that's what we'll have for the race. Well, that's awesome. That's some awesome improvements to that facility. And it's it's quite an undertaking for you guys to take that on and uh, uh, give the facility a facelift like that. So kudos for you. But uh, another thing I noticed uh, from the media day you had recently is there's now a new trophy associated with the race as well. Yes. Um, so this kind of started like we were talking about earlier, how things we're always working on the little 500. So we had a sponsor, um, the template fine food and spirits in Elwood um, came to us. Uh, they've been a sponsor. I think this is now their third or fourth year. And they said, we really want to be part, we want to be part of open wheel racing at the track and more the little 500. Well, with, with some great sponsors that we've had for a long time with Payless and UAW, they take a lot of maybe what would be the normal spots that you could fit in as a sponsor. And they're like, well, how about the trophy? So we started talking about the trophy and they're like, man, we'd really like to have a permanent trophy at the track. And it's something that Rick Dawson, the owners always wanted as well. So we worked with um, Tracy Denny and his wife, Carla, um, out of Newcastle, a town close to us. And then um, they kind of came up and designed a permanent trophy that we'll always have at the facility, kind of similar to like what the board Warner is, Annapolis Motor Speedway, but we have one just for a little 500. So um, we still have the, the owner and um, champions trophy for the race, but we now we have kind of a, uh, a trophy that will stay at the track that has, so it has every driver's name that's ever won on it. Um, it's heavier than all get out. It's a really cool wooden piece. Um, but we unveiled it at our press conference, um, at the end of April and it'll be on display all during the little 500. So if you're there, if you're there, you come for qualifying or you're there on race day, make sure you check it out. It's a beautiful piece and it's a definitely a work of art. That's really awesome. And the cool thing about Little 500 Week, too, is there's a lot of people that do come in for race day. I'm one of them included. But if you can get away early, the qualifying and all the race, the events leading up to the Little 500 are just as dramatic, if not more so, than the race at times. It, it is. And, um, I mean, the, the best part about it, and I think I, I took a call sometime this week, and someone's like, what is there to do if I come, in, if I come to Indianapolis early? Um, I said, well, there's – there's so much that you can't fit it all in. And the best part, I mean, our practice and qualifying are free. 
Um, I mean, a lot of people come in Wednesday, and we're good friends with Track Enterprises and Adam Mackey and Bob Sargent, his group of with all the USAC races they have that week with Terre Haute and um, the fairgrounds and Lucas Oil Raceway. They got a cool deal going there. And we, our schedule is kind of mixed where you can, it's possible you can do both each day. You can do the practicing, the qualifying, and you're just going to be able to see a race that night. So for big time race fans, there's definitely plenty of racing to go around that week, not just the little 500 and the Annapolis 500 on Sunday. We were talking offline a little bit that you were a person that grew up on uh, over by Raceway Park for the years and we're a, a night before the 500 person. Like that's what your family did. But then after that race uh, went by the wayside or started its wayside, you and your dad, you said, decided to start coming to the little 500. What was your first impression when you saw the event? Um, well, the first year I worked there, I was in, uh, I took an internship at the track and the person, um, the marketing director at the time, she, uh, she told me, she said, I'm going to have you live tweet the race. And I was like, okay. In my head at the time, I was like, oh, that has to be great. I'll be able to watch the race. So kind of selfishly now I don't get to see, I get to see maybe 20 laps of the race. I go back and watch it on video. And and when, I mean, when you're just sitting there, I was sitting up in the tower right next to Denny Adams, our longtime announcer. And he kept looking at me and he's like, you're make sure you keep an eye on this. This is going to be something you want to see. And I was like, okay. Like they kept hyping it up, hyping up. And um, let me tell you, it is the craziest thing I've ever seen in all of racing. Um, I mean, just see the 33 cars just come roaring into turn one. Um, nothing does it justice unless you're sitting there in person. So it's, uh, I mean, the whole race is incredible, but to see those 33 cars just take those pace laps in 11 rows of three is incredible. But definitely when the green flag drops and you're like, there's no way they're going to make it through that corner. And they almost always do. So since I've worked there, they always have. I know they've had some problems in the past, but. It's been great. So it's a a start that you can't describe unless you see it for yourself, for sure. And it can't hurt that the past few years the finish has been pretty dramatic as well. Yes, um, the racing has been just stellar. And um, I mean, I work. I, I have the privilege at the track of working very close with the a lot of the sprint car teams and helping answering their questions as we've built up kind of some of our thirst night racing. But in return, I mean, the little five hundred is always kind of stand its own, but just the quality of the teams that we're getting now is just incredible from top to bottom. I mean, first to 33rd last year was separated by five tenths of a second, um, which is some. By any, by any stretch of the imagination. Well, that's awesome. So if people are interested in going to the little 500, how can they get their tickets so they can be there at Anderson Speedway? Yep. Um, we're, we're still, I like to say we're a little archaic. We haven't updated where you can go online and get your tickets. It is something that we're working towards. But the best way is you can either come to the track that week. We have plenty of tickets available. Um, we did sell out a couple of years ago, so we're trying to work through um, that stigma that we don't have tickets. We have plenty of tickets. We do, the earlier you get your tickets, the better they are. All tickets are reserved. Every ticket is $40. Um, you can call the office Monday through Friday, and then on Saturdays when we're there for racing. Um, or you can stop in that week and you can get your ticket. Um, we just encourage people, um, give yourself plenty of time. It is a huge race. We have 10,000 seats, so 10,000 tickets. It is, um, it, it is a humongous crowd. So you want to give yourself a little bit more time when you come to the facility. 
than you would on a normal Saturday night race. And also, I can vouch for that. First little 500 I ever went to, I got tickets the day of the race and ended up with an awesome seat. So he's not just uh, yes. uh, <laughs> just being the track employee. I can vouch for it. You can actually get one then. Well. <laughs> I appreciate yep. the time, Jared, and uh, we're really looking forward to making this trip back down to Anderson for the little 500 this year. Well, it's great to talk with you, and as always, we're we're excited. It's going to be here quick, and um, it looks like the forecast is going to be great. I mean, it's it's been sunny the first couple of days of this week, which has been different than all the rain we've been having. So we're really excited to have everybody in Anderson uh, once again for the Little Five Hundred. All right, thank you very much. Thank you. Have a great evening. open wheel stars we've seen over the past decade his dominance of course in the usac silver crown series is very well documented and he now has two little 500 titles to his credit and a chance to sit down with swanson to cover several topics in relation to the uh payless little 500 and he goes into incredible detail i hope you really enjoy this interview with your defending payless little 500 champion cody swanson Joining us on our Little 500 preview podcast is a gentleman that's going to be very busy along with his race team this weekend, Cody Swanson, joins us on the line. Cody, uh, thank you for taking time out of your preparation for the Little 500 and all the other races you're going to be running this week. Hey, thanks. I uh, appreciate you having me on and uh, looking forward to it all. First of all, let's talk about the logistics. We have the Hoosier 100 and the the race at IRP for Silver Crown, and then also the little 500 and all the qualifying with that, you're attempting to do this with the same race team. Logistically, how do you guys handle this? Yeah, um, you know, it's, uh, it's a tall order, uh, especially because uh, the way the timelines work out, you know, on Thursday is really our our closest, um, you know, conflict, uh, trying to get uh, get qualified in the little 500 there. I think I think our first round window is 1.30 to 3.30 p.m., and then um, we've got to be at the fairgrounds and pretty well ready, um, you know, real shortly after that for, um, you know, for, for hot laps to start. So, um, in times past, you know, I think, I think the Nolan guys have, um, you know, had to do it where they were trying to use the same, their, their same big rig and trailer. And, um, this year we're trying, trying our best to be ahead of it enough that we're going to, um, just, just have a, a dually and a, and a fifth wheel trailer there at Anderson. So that way the silver crown rig. Um, can can already be at Indianapolis, so um, you know we as soon as we're done qualifying, we can can load up and, and button everything up there at Anderson and, and head straight to uh, to the fairgrounds. So it um, makes it a challenge, and we've been we've been working on it for a couple of weeks already, um, just trying to get all of our our pieces prepared, and and uh, hopefully we'll have everything in the right spot and be uh, be ready for a good week. Mentally, as a driver, what do you have to do to prepare? Like, as far as I mean, I'm sure it goes right down to staying hydrated, eating, and all that stuff to be able to. Because for about two days until the actual level 500, you're racing twice a day almost. Yeah, um, it's um, it, it's tough to to keep track of, but something you have to just because um, you know it, it's a it's a grueling week. Um, start with, start with practice Wednesday, and, and that's really kind of a light way to get into it, and then. Thursday, um, you're, you're going pretty early in the morning um, as far as uh, typical races would go uh, with, with practice and then um, in through the round of qualifying. And the Hoosier 100, it's, um, it's a long race around uh, around there for 100 miles. And like I said, it just seems to build. And IRP is, um, 
uh, or, or looks or raceway, right? It, it's um, man got such long corners that that it'll wear on you too for 100 laps. So um, you know, and, and by then you, you know your Saturday afternoon, uh, you're spending all day getting ready for for the race, and um, still have to go 500 more for that night. So it um, you know it's something that that I, I probably um, take uh, I don't know if it's, take suggestions better than usual. Usual, you know, sometimes someone will say, oh, you need to make sure you eat or you hydrate, and you kind of you're doing your own thing, but um, that week, uh, if somebody's trying to remind me to to get a drink or to get something to eat, I usually go for it and um, just try to try to be as ready as you can be. It's um, it's it's grueling to do it, but uh, it sure is a lot of fun. 2015 was your first little 500. Had you seen the race before you actually participated in it, or is the first little 500 you ran the first time you even saw the race? Uh, first time I've been there in person. Um, I, I think one of the I don't know if it was if it was 13 or 14, one of those um, had been had been rained out and postponed to Sunday, and and I think they had it on pay per view, and and I ended up uh, you know getting a chance to watch that one, um, but but never had been there, uh, you know for for the little 500 had had, had obviously raced sprint cars in Anderson off and on you know years past, but um, it it certainly is uh it's something um, so unique that you know that, that very first. Uh, first year was just relying a lot on on the team around me to uh to kind of keep me clued in with with what was just taking place so yeah and what was it like the first time you actually had to make a pit stop in a sprint car yeah um i mean it, it's uh it's it's not as as difficult or as, as wild from the driving side you know you're just kind of coming down coming down pit road just like you would come into into the pits there and um, just making sure that you're trying to hustle and, and keep going as quick as you can um, to get it into in, you know, into your stall and stop on your marks where um, your guys are ready to change tires and things like that. So uh, you're just trying to be real precise, but um, you're trying to be that kind of precise for 500 laps too. So that just kind of goes with uh, with the territory. But um, you know, the, the weird thing is is trying to get it um, hustled and pushed off so quick. You know, normally when um, you know when I, I'm starting a sprint car. Um, you really want to take your time and make sure the fuel's all the way up there and that you're not sliding the rear end and let it chatter and just trying to really take care of the equipment because um, you're not supposed to be in a hurry. But um, the, the tables are turned there at Anderson, and you're trying to get the thing to light off and fire off as quick as you can so you can uh, make it to the blend line and, and, and join back in line uh, in, in the lineup. So. Some great insight from Cody Swanson, who has won the little 500 twice. And uh, uh, one thing I've talked to for drivers about driver or two drivers over the years about the little 500, I've never met a race car driver that didn't want to do it. I mean, it's mainly because of the racing and through the traffic. It's just like basically three hours of nonstop. It seems like racing through traffic. How mentally exhausting is that? Um, It, it is, but I mean, that's that's also the kind uh, of best part. So, um, and you know, I've, you know, you have the dirt guys versus pavement guys or whatever, just as you talk about sprint car racing in general, but even dirt guys love a little 500 because you're always racing somebody. So, um, you know, it, uh, yeah, it, it is exhausting, but, but it's fun to try to keep track of because uh, as, um, as you go through the race and cycle through pit stops and strategy, there are cars that things can go fast uh, early um but but if they get new tires before you do they're they're um either they're coming by or you're racing them or having a hard time catching them and same thing um then then you're on new tires um it, it's a, it's an incredible feeling if, if you have new tires and no one else does and um 
it sure, it sure makes that race a lot of fun. Um, and like I said, for 500 laps, you just go through so many different scenarios. Um, it, it's fun just to try to race through them all. It, it, almost like when you're watching it, it feels like the race picks up a rhythm at times. Is it like that for the drivers as well? Um, I, I think, you know, to, to some extent anyway, right? And, and, it, and probably more individually than the race as a whole. I, I guess I notice it more you know, my individual car, just as you go through uh, the life cycle of your tires, you know, when you're taking care of them early in the race and then the second and I'm a second and third stint, maybe um, from lap 200 on, I mean, things are pretty well uh, picked up. You're, you're going really as hard as you can go for, for so much of the race anymore. And, um, but you're still trying to take care of your tires. And, and then at the end of it, you know, you're uh, either before you pit or by the end of the race, you're, you're holding on for all your worth. And, and, um, trying to go fast even even though you don't really have the the tire under you to do it and so um it it picks the you know it, it picks up where it's um you're you're hustling pretty hard for for a really long time and uh makes it um makes it one of the, the more fun races we get to do each year the race pace has increased tremendously over the past decade or so and it seems like the past few years we've seen a few guys get out in front early and really take off but they haven't finished how hard is it, though, as a race car driver to see someone like that just take off and not try to go catch them? Yeah, I mean, um, it's definitely a discipline uh, thing that you have to, you know, I'd, I'd say keep in the back of your mind, but there's parts of the race where it's got to be in the front of your mind. And um, it, it's something, you know, I, I think the little 500 has, has fit me well um, because it's got a lot of similarities, similarities to the, uh, the Silver Crown series and the races we run there um, being longer events and, where management is uh, is definitely a factor. So um, it's it's uh, it's an acquired thing, I suppose. Where um, it's hard to tell yourself uh, to let them go, and and it's okay. And you kind of talk yourself through it that hopefully I'll see them again later. And um, it, the little 500 is so tough, especially early, um, because I mean, like you said, we start 33, and um, it's not very long before you're strung all the way around. And uh, early in the race, you know, everyone's on on good tires together, and it's really hard to get through lap traffic um, cleanly and, and you're trying obviously to be as careful as you can because, you know, at some point you still have 450 laps to go. So um, it, it uh, you know, I think this last year and even ones before, um, you know, I've, I've ridden in the third or fourth spot for a little bit and just um, kind of let somebody who, who's really eager, you know, blaze the trail through lap traffic and just try to, um, you know, um, mind my P's and Q's and make sure I'm in, putting myself in good position to, to make it through that, um, that early part of the race, because it's so, you know, the traffic is just so thick, you know, because there's, there's, you're catching cars that are racing other cars for position that are catching other cars that they're trying to put a lap down. And, and there's so many things going on that you, you don't want to get, get caught in a bad spot and, um, and put your whole race at risk. So, um, it, um, it's, you know, it's as part of the mentally taxing, you know, uh, things you were talking about earlier, but, um, one of the challenges that, that I, I certainly enjoy embrace and, um, and it, and it makes it, you know, really fun. I mean, you're, you're racing somebody the whole time. So um, it, uh, hope, hopefully it'll work out good, you know, this year. Um, you know, everyone making, making through traffic and that, that first part of the race um, and, and being, there, uh, being there to contest for it at the end. You're one of the few guys that's driven a V8 and a V6 in this race. How different is it to drive the six-cylinder car? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know that it, that it races as different as it sounds. You know, um, it, it, I mean, I remember when I was running the V8 
and 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 I think you know Jerry had been running for or Jerry Coons had been running for Gene and Shane Hollingsworth, um, and and they have such a distinct sound. I mean, it, you really notice it um, on practice day and in qualifying when when you're up there trying to scout and see what cars are good. I mean, you can't help but notice them go by. So, um, but I mean, from the driver's seat, um, there are little things that that I think uh, make them a little bit different. Um, they definitely seem to like momentum, but but same thing. You know, I, I drove for. Tom Brew in the Speed Chasers car and, and, and Richard Hoffman and, and his um, 69. Um, so V8 like momentum too. You know, that's just kind of how, how Anderson is and, and how pavement racing can be is that if you can build momentum through the corner, it'll help you whatever kind of engine you have. And, um, and the, the only real tough thing, I mean, about the V6 um, is early in a run, you know, when everyone's on really good tires, um, it, it makes traffic a little bit more difficult just because when you get around somebody, um, you have to really be carrying some speed and you're not going to just get a uh, good, good position and, and uh, squirt by him down the straightaway. So, um, you know, so you kind of give up a little bit there at the beginning of a run, but through the middle and to the end, um, you know, as tires wear out, um, you know, the V8s are spinning their tires, but, but so am I, um, you know, and it, it kind of levels back out and um, it's been really, really neat uh, racing this, um, you know, for, for Gene Nolan racing his team. Um, uh, number four car we've got really really handles well and um, has has put us in contention there at uh, at the end of these little 500s and um, makes it uh, makes it a lot of fun to to drive. How important is your spotter in this race? I know you've had some good ones over the years, but how important is that person in this race? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I I think it's um, it's it's really important. It, it has been for me. You know, you talk about uh, you know earlier being mentally taxing and. Um, you know, when I'm running other races, you know, either without a spotter, you know, you're completely on your own. Um, and even with a spotter, you know, in the Silver Crown Series, and Life Jordan is doing it for me um, lately uh, and, and does a phenomenal job for me. And um, But even in that respect, um, I'm still kind of planning my own race as I go. Um, and, and she's just kind of giving me um, the information I need and what she can see. And um, the Little 500 is, you know, you, you lose track there in the middle of it, of what lap you're even on. And sometimes it seems like an eternity to get to lap 300 and you think there's no way you're going to make it to the end. And then pretty soon it's, it's lap 450 and, um, you know, it's, it's time to, time to get it done. So, um, I, every little 500 I've ever run, Kirk Spridgen has been my spotter. Um, and, and he, he does a, an amazing job and he was someone I really relied on. Uh, that first that first little 500 because like I said I I'd never seen it in person and um, I was really just trying to make laps and do the best I could uh, taking care of the car and the race but still relying on his insight for uh, you know when it was time to go when it was time to behave and uh, you know even when when we should be aiming for a pit window so um, it's it's huge and, and another part that's really important is um, he's able to do a great job keeping track of who we're racing against on the racetrack, you know, whether they've got tires or not, or, um, you know, keeping track of where the leaders are to make sure you don't end up a lap down when you're on old tires and, and things like that. So, um, you know, of all, of all the races you run, um, just trying to keep, keep me some, uh, somewhat with any level of sanity. Uh, it's, uh, it's been, been really critical to have, have a great spotter. Last question. What is it like to win that race compared to maybe something else? Because I mean, it's so grueling, so taxing. You cross the line first. What? Well, how does it feel? Yeah, it, um, I mean, it, it's it's really such. I mean, a, a great feeling. You know, you know, like like just to win win anything, and 
um, you know, I'm really fortunate. It feels a lot like, like winning the big silver crown race, you know, a little bit that, um, because they, they share a lot of that. Um, but it's so unique to be able to do it in a sprint car. Um, and to do it, um, it's kind of like, I, I would say like two or three silver crown races rolled together, right? Because, uh, every 150 laps, you're coming in and getting tires and, and almost starting over just with a new set of circumstances. So, um, it, it's, it's really cool to do it. And, and both times I've done it, um, it's even had an, an extra special, um, meaning for me because, um, I was able to be a part of something bigger than just me and the little 500. And, and that was, um, getting Richard Hoffman, um, and, and their team, a little 500 win after they had been trying, um, you know, for, for a long time and putting effort into it and had, had just eluded them, um, to, to get them there first. And, and then two years later to get a chance to, to get Gene Nolan and his team there first, you know, I think, I think they've been trying, uh, 25 years or, or right around there. And, um, to be, uh, to be a piece of the puzzle that, um, to finally get it done, to see the excitement and to share in that with, with a team, um, you know, is, is what makes it all the more special. So, um, it, uh, it, it, and like I said, after 500, 500 laps and, and all you go through to get there, um, it, it's gotta be, you know, the two times I've been fortunate to win it. Um, it's such a wild race. Um, you know, we talk about traffic and, uh, mentally calculating and all these things, but at the same time, it, it's, that's got just a pure wild factor that uh, of things you go through or crashes you narrowly avoid or, or someone blows uh, a radiator hose and you slide through the water and happen to keep it straight. And um, both times I felt like, man, that's the luckiest I've been in a year um, all combined. You know, you catch so many lucky breaks um, to be able to be there at the end. And, and some of it's putting yourself in the right spot, but I mean, sometimes there are things that um, that just happen uh, for you or around you or, um, you know, in conjunction with, with what, what you've got going on in that race, that um, there's an element that, that when you win it, it's still a little bit of disbelief that, uh, that it all worked out just because there's so much going on. But um, it's, uh, it's what makes it so, so rewarding is, um, you, you know, you had some things go your way, but, uh, but for 500 laps, you battled it out and, and, and need to be able to, to win it for, uh, for your team. Well, Cody, it's obvious that you share the same passion a lot of us have with the race. I really appreciate you taking time out of your preparation to join us with this. And best of luck. And hopefully, if all things work out, we'll see you drinking some milk uh, next Saturday. Yeah, it, it sure would uh, sure would be fun. I know we're going to um, give it our best effort and, and a lot of guys put, put a lot of time in. So, um, But but I know there are uh, a lot of great competitors that we're going to have to do battle with that are doing the same. And um that's what makes it uh, makes it that much more fun and, and rewarding if, if it does work out. So I uh, appreciate you taking the time to talk with me and, and, and having me on and um, look forward to, uh, to next week. Hopefully we see you there. All right. Thanks, Cody. Appreciate it. That's going to wrap up this little 500 preview edition of the TJSlideways.com podcast. I'd like to thank Aaron Bearden, Jared Owen, and Cody Swanson for being a part of it. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play Store, Stitcher, and on Podbean. If you're interested in advertising with the podcast or website, use the contact form on tjslideways.com to request more information. I don't know about you. I'm totally pumped for Little 500 Week. I look forward to seeing everyone Saturday at Anderson Speedway. It's, of course, the busiest race weekend of the year, so I'm hoping you're able to get out to a race somewhere. But until then, I hope to see you down the road at a racetrack. Thank you for listening.
Thank you for listening to the TJ Flyways podcast.